good to be back. Uh, I know I've been back for a week already, but it is kind of random this, this time of year. And so let me officially say I'm really grateful to be back. And I have lots to give thanks for. Uh, I had a fantastic sabbatical. Uh, I rested well. Um, I visited some amazing churches. Uh, I learned a lot. Uh, all the things that, uh, that I think a sabbatical is supposed to be about, I had in the last two months. I fell in love with a new country. Um, I went to Sweden for the first time, and wow, uh, it was amazing. But I'm really grateful to be home. One of the great things about traveling, especially when you travel well and have a great time, is that you look forward to coming home and then home is amazing. And so it's fantastic for me to, to give thanks to God this morning. I have a lot to give thanks for. And so I, I, over the next few weeks I want to share, um, I'm going to find ways of just sharing with you a little bit of the things I learned um, while I was away and then what I think God is going to do with us um, with some of the things that I've learned in other places. I'd love us to pray together right now. God, thank you that you are good and that your love endures forever. Lord, thank you that when times are difficult and hard, your love endures forever. Lord, thank you when things are going well and we feel well provided for and cared for and loved, your love endures forever. Lord, thank you that when you are silent, your love endures forever. Thank you that when you speak to us, your love endures forever. Lord, thank you that no matter what's happening to us or the world around us, your love endures forever. Amen. So, I mean, I've got all sorts of reasons to celebrate. I look back on this last year, and, and the truth is, uh, often I feel like this guy. And I want to remind you, if you were here on Christmas Day, we watched this guy, and didn't he just make our lives a little bit better? Why don't you watch the screen?
<laughs> I'm pretty sure if all of you look back on this past year, you would have had moments like that. You would have had moments where you're like, yes, this is so amazing. Thank you, God, for this. Thank you, God, for that. I mean, Christmas, I think, generally for most of us, it, it's easier to do that. Uh, for some people, Christmas is hard, but, but we all can look back and have these seasons and these moments in our lives when, when all the stars align, you know, and our life is just amazing, and it's so easy to give thanks. But I wonder if it was like that the whole of last year for you. If it was like that all the time. You see, because we are taught in Scripture that we should give thanks. And we should celebrate God's goodness. 1 Thessalonians says this to us in chapter 5, verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'll read that again to you. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You see, there's giving thanks, and then there's living a life of thanks. That's really important for us to know what this isn't. This isn't a command to mindless optimism. We all know those people. You know, when the world is literally falling down, no, no, it, it, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. And, and, and people who are smiling when, it sh- when they shouldn't be. When things are bad. This is, not a, this is not a call by Scripture for us to be mindlessly optimistic all the time. In fact, Scripture often reminds us to be sober-minded. And to think carefully about what's going on in the world around us. And to do something about it. Not just to say, it's going to be okay. It's not annoyingly and stupid optimism. You know, just that it, it'll be okay, it'll be okay. The ostrich scenario where a person just buries their heads and hopes like mad that it's going to be okay. And then normally other people have to sort out the problem. It's also not being thankful about or for bad things. It's not being thankful about or for bad things. Bad things happen. Sin happens in the world and we are impacted deeply by it. And it's not an instruction to be thankful for those things. Because you notice what it says. It doesn't say be thankful for. It says give thanks in. And there's a really important difference about being thankful for and being thankful in. It's not about pretending you are fine when you are not. 
And often we fail to grow as God's people because we think that this is an instruction to always pretend we're okay. And so we never have the opportunity to grapple with hard things and grow and share and be given by other people the ability to to connect with God even when we don't want to because it feels like God is against us. It's none of those things. If it's not that, then what is it? Well, giving thanks, as this scripture tells us to, and the way the scripture do, this kind of giving thanks is a spiritual practice. A spiritual practice of reminding ourselves and others of the source of all that is good. And our task to show that goodness to a lost and hurting world. You see, that's what giving thanks is. It's a, it, it's a spiritual practice that reminds us constantly. And, and sometimes we don't need to be reminded, but we still need to say it. Sometimes we come in here and we just want to worship. You know, we just want to give thanks because we've got so much. But, but spiritual practices, that's why they're called practices. Because you have to do them even when you don't feel like doing them sometimes. And it's to remind us and other people that God is good. Even when sometimes we don't feel like He's good. And that His promises are true even when they feel like they're not being being fulfilled in our lives. And that we really matter in the big scheme of things. And so we ought to give thanks often. In fact, not just often, but we learn how to give thanks in every circumstance. And the truth is it doesn't always look the same. Sometimes it is that joyful, that joyful thanksgiving that we just want to tell everybody about. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's very quiet and hard and comes from a deep place. But nevertheless it is a clear demonstration of thanks to God. A spiritual practice of reminding ourselves and others of the source of all that is good. Because God is the source of all that is good. And to remind us of our task to show that goodness to a lost and hurting world. But you see, this passage isn't just about giving thanks. This passage isn't just about occasionally or when the opportunity arises to, to express our thanks. It's about much more than that. It's about living a life of thankfulness. It's about teaching ourselves to follow God in a way that our life is constantly a life of thankfulness. Scripture's full of these kind of ideas. We, we, we get given an instruction that we think is, is an instruction to act a certain way in a certain set of circumstances. But what it really often is, is an instruction to to live that kind of life. Forgiveness is one of those ideas. We, we, we often want to make forgiveness an event that we kind of do. The disciples wanted to do that. Hey, Jesus, how many times are we supposed to forgive? He said they wanted to, to find... And Jesus says, no, no, 70 times 7. What's he saying? He's not saying count... He's saying live a life that is constantly seeking to forgive. 
The passages that tell us to pray continually aren't instructing us to close our eyes when we're driving on the N3 and pray to God. It means that your part of your conversation, you've got to have those moments of prayer where you put yourself away, where you're on your own, where you're a small group of people to specifically talk to God. But your whole life needs to be a conversation with God. That's what all our spiritual disciplines are about. Fasting. It's about learning to give stuff up. And aren't we terrible at giving stuff up? Who have you had a great time this Christmas feeding the flesh? Those chocolates are just... And then people keep giving them to me. Stop it, please. I mean, I'm grateful. I'm grateful, but stop it. You're not helping me in my spiritual discipline of, of, of the flesh. We are taught over and over again that these ideas aren't just events, but the way we must live our lives. And thankfulness is the same thing. It's not just an event, but it is a life of thankfulness. A life of thankfulness is this. It is a life that clearly demonstrates that we are servants and children of a good, loving, holy, and redemptive God. That the good news of Jesus Christ isn't just something for a Christmas day or a Facebook post, but it is a reality in every circumstance of life. See, that's what a life of thankfulness does, what it shows to people. It's easy to show people we're Christians at Christmas, or at least we pretend to be, you know. We're there, we're in church, it's easy. But what do you do when you lose your job? And when 2019 happens... And it's possibly worse than 2018. What do we do? Well, we are called to live a life of thanksgiving. A life that demonstrates that we are servants and children of a good, loving, holy, and redemptive God. So how do we turn those moments into a lifetime? How do we turn those moments that we all have, and and, and some of us have it more often than others because we seem to live a a more blessed life or because we have have a more positive personality. But that's not an instruction to people like that. It's an instruction to all of us to turn our moments of thanks into a lifetime of thanksgiving. Well, this passage itself gives us some really clear indications of how this happens. It doesn't just happen. It happens because we live our lives in a certain way. And the first thing that this passage tells us is that we need to be connected to a transforming community. We need to be connected to a transforming community. That passage that says rejoice always kind of points us towards that, but in a moment we'll read the verses that come before that. But I, I want to ask yourself, you know, ask yourself this question this morning. Are you part of a redemptive community? A community that comes beside you. Not only when things are great, but when things are absolutely awful. Because that's when we really need to hear God's voice clearly. I've watched this happen 
unbelievably just over this Christmas time. This how a redemptive community can take something that is awful and remains awful and will continue to be awful, but somehow turns it into something where God is glorified again and again. I don't know how many of you are friends on Facebook or on any other social media platform with the Mungavans from, from Anthem Church, um, from COGS. He's the senior pastor there um, of that church. On Chris, the day before Christmas, his wife was in a car accident and their 14 year, their 14 year old daughter is now brain damaged. She's fighting for her life right now in hospital. But it has been amazing to watch the community on Facebook and obviously in person surround this family. I, imagine, parents, some of you have a glimpse of what this must feel like. I mean, the doctors don't know if she will ever recover. She may die. She may recover. She's If she lives, she will probably be brain damaged for the rest of her life. And and they are not being mindlessly positive about this. They are struggling, they are fighting, but constantly this theme comes through of God's goodness, of, of God helping, of God carrying, of God supporting, of God being there, of God comforting. And how is it happening? It's not happening because God is appearing in a cloud. It's happening because God's people are there. Because God's people are praying. Because God's people are at the hospital. Because God's people are telling them sometimes, don't come to the hospital, just stay at home for a few hours. You can't be here. Sometimes God's people are telling them not to do things. It is amazing to watch. And if you're on Facebook, they're sharing it publicly on Facebook, so you don't actually even have to be a friend of the family to see it is absolutely beautiful to watch. And it is, it, it's hard, but it is beautiful. And it is an illustration of this, that, that if we're going to live a life, because, because all of us go through these hard things. All of us go through those moments when we say, where is God? And when we do, that's when God's people step in. And if we are part of that community, we will not just have a life that can celebrate when everything is fine. We will discover a life that can show the goodness of God coming through even in the most horrific and difficult circumstances of life. This is how Paul said it as he was coming into that passage that we read. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 12, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. But always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. And then it goes on to say, rejoice always, that passage that we read. You see a picture 
of this vibrant, robust community that's not just going around being nice to each other. It's not just a group of people that are surround, surround you with positive thoughts. This is, not, this is not mindless positivity. These people are admonishing each other sometimes. Oh, you can't do that. You mustn't do that. You must do this. If you are weak, we will help you. If you are abusive, we will help you. If you are this, we will, we will help you. Because we want God to be glorified and thanked. And sometimes my life can thank God for things even when I can't as a person because of the community that God has put me in and the community that I've connected to. We begin to live a life of thanksgiving when we commit ourselves to a community that will go on our life's journey with us through the ups and the downs. I think it's a great moment to actually be part of that community. Let's, let's pray for that family right now. Lord, we, we cannot grasp what the Mangavan family is going through right now. But we can be part of their community. We can be part of your community. We can pray for them. We can love them. We can walk with them. Lord, we pray that you will give them strength and faith and courage and wisdom. Lord, we thank you that they as a family, despite their incredible pain, are living out this passage of rejoicing always, praying continually, and giving thanks in all circumstances. Lord, we pray that they will continue to do so, and that they will continue to live a life of thanksgiving to you. Amen. Here's what's really important, though. The passage doesn't stop there. It's not just about being connected to each other. It's not just about being connected to this redemptive community that will, will change our lives into being lives of thanksgiving. In fact, what is even more important is the fact that we need to be connected to our Father. Rejoice always. And the next thing, pray continually. Pray continually. You see, we can't just be connected to our earthly family. We must be connected to our Father in heaven. And now while this instruction is about prayer, it's not only about prayer. It's not only about praying. It's about all of those things that connect us over and over and over with God. Most of you who know me at all know that I struggle with focus, that my mind's all over the place. And one of the things I've been able to do this year is, is have probably the best times with God I've had for many, many years. And it's because I've been using the Anglican prayer book. 
It's been amazing. It's an app on my phone. And, and every morning, and, and not most, most evenings, not every evening, every morning I pray these prayers. And you know what? It's so easy to look at these prayers and go, they're just a ritual. But wow, sometimes to read a prayer that's literally been used by God's people for 900, 1,000, 1,500 years, people have been praying that same prayer over and over and over again. It connects me to God in some wonderful ways. See, this passage isn't just about the fact that we must pray continually. We must. What this passage is saying is we must constantly reconnect ourselves to God over and over and over again. Of course, through prayer. That's why praying on our own and with other believers is so very important. And I think we're kind of divided into different groups here. I'm one of those people who prays much easier with other people. Because, you know, they, they're watching. <laughs> you know, when I'm on my own, my mind can go everywhere. Nobody's watching. But when I'm with other people, I'm the pastor. I'm expected every now and again to contribute, you know. And so I have to do both. It's necessary for me. Pray continually. Interacting with Scripture. Reading God's Word. Listening to God's Word. My, one of my favorite things in the whole world is version. Because it speaks the Bible to me. And I'll go for walks and I'll just have my earphones in and I can just listen. It's amazing. Times of fasting. We're going to have to start really soon now. Um, or times of celebrating. You, you know that Christmas and all the feasting that we do over Christmas is also a sign of God's goodness. It's not just indulgence on our part. It's a sign that God will provide and we will use up resources because we know God will provide. Corporate worship. Who connects to God just in corporate worship? In, it's just, isn't it fantastic? One of, the, one of the great things about my sabbatical has been to go to different churches. One Sunday I was at a church that has 20,000 members in yeah, I mean, there were only 5,000 people in that service. But, and then the next Sunday, I was in a little Presbyterian church that has 35 members in it. And it was amazing because in both of those places, we worshipped God together. And then the next Sunday, I was in a church in Brighton where two Iranian young adult people gave their testimonies and were baptized. It was just, and the theme goes through all all of the churches I visited, two things. Love for people and the worship of God. And so we must do it as a practice. We can't live a life of true thanksgiving unless we are consciously connecting ourselves to God. Not just when we feel like it. Because if it was up to that, it wouldn't happen terribly often. But in every circumstance. Starts. Why, why, why should you and I go through the hard work of changing our lives just from people who in the moment give thanks to God, but rather become those who live a life of thanksgiving to God? Why should we do it? Because we live in a world that is broken. We live in a world where people have a warped view of God. 
Sometimes we live in a world where people have no view of God. Nothing. Going to Sweden was so interesting. Because the churches there tell us when we start evangelizing people, we have to start with the basics. There's just like, God, what do you mean when you say God? Folks, we live in that kind of world where people either have a broken view of God or absolutely no view of God. And people need to know this about God. People need to know this about God. Richard gave us this, uh, this, this passage on, on, on Christmas. James chapter 1, Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Why should we live this kind of life? Because you and I are the first fruits of the goodness of God in the world. You and I are living representations of that, that, that in the middle of sin, in the middle of brokenness, in the middle of a world that is absolutely shot to pieces. God is there and God is good. And that he wants goodness for all of his creation. That his plan is to take this broken world and redeem it. And that his plan is to take this broken world and make it new and perfect. His plan is to take your broken life, your lost life, your hopeless life, and turn it into something good and beautiful and perfect one day. That's why we've got to live that kind of life, because the world needs to know that. Not just on the good days. Not just on the days where it's easy. But every day, in fact, for most people, they need to know it most on the days that are bad. That there is this thing called the gospel. And this thing called the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. That he has come into this world to redeem us from our lost and sinful state. But more than that, to set the captives free, to break every chain, to declare the year of the Lord's favor. Not just someday in the future, but right now. And when we live lives of thanksgiving, the world sees that every single day. Let's stand together and give thanks to God. Lord, you are good. And your love endures forever. Lord, you are faithful and your love endures forever. Salvation belongs to our God and his love endures forever. Lord, you created the heavens and the earth and your love endures forever. Lord, no matter what last year was, and no matter what next year is, we pray that your Spirit will be in us, that the Spirit of Christ will empower us to live lives of thanksgiving, that in every circumstance we will know 
that we are to give thanks to God. Lord, make each of us a people who rejoice always, who pray continually, who give thanks in all circumstances, because we know that this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you.